It is February 13th, 2023, and welcome to episode 181 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm your host for the day, Lester Munson, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and former colleague, Jamil Jaffer, the former chief counsel of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and founder and executive director of NSI, and NSI's deputy executive director and all-around superhero, Jessica Jones. So over the last three days, U.S. and Canadian military aircraft have worked together to shoot down three separate unidentified objects flying over North America. This brings a total, this brings the total to four of the number of objects down by the U.S. military and Canada in just over a week, including the Chinese spy balloon down off the coast of South Carolina on February 4. So this does beg the question, what are these, uh, these craft that are flying over North America? What are they doing? Why are we shooting them down? Why have the last three been handled so differently than the first one? So there's there's a whole bunch of questions here, uh, and we have about 10 minutes, so we can't really address all of them. We're going to eliminate, for the purposes of this discussion, the possibility of alien invasion. <laughs> and we are going to uh, focus on the very likely scenario that these craft are of Chinese or possibly Russian origin and are being deliberately flown over the United States as some sort of surveillance program. So the question, it seems to me, is if that is true, where does the U.S. go from here? How does the Biden administration handle the question of a massive Chinese surveillance program launching craft over the United States that may have been done surreptitiously in the past, but now is noticed in public and we are, in fact, shooting them down? So, Jamil, I want to go to you first uh, and, and I want to pose this question to you. Uh, China has grown its nuclear capability enormously in the last few years, its, its strategic nuclear arsenal. It is not illogical to think that as a consequence of that, they would need to have a targeting package associated with their nuclear weapons. I don't want to freak everyone out that they're launching nuclear weapons right now because that doesn't seem likely. But if you're going to have nuclear weapons, you need to have a plan to do something with them. This surveillance program could be directly related to China's growing nuclear weapons program. Given that, given that scenario, and, and again, we don't really know, we're hypothesizing here, but given that scenario, how should the Biden administration be responding to this, to this uh, kind of deluge of surveillance over North America? Well, Les, you know, it's an interesting point you make. You know, General Wesley Clark actually made a similar point uh, last night um, on television uh, that that might be what's going on here, that the Chinese might be surveilling U.S. Uh, landmass uh, in order to do better nuclear targeting. I don't buy that for a couple of reasons. One, um, they've got extensive satellite capabilities, as we do. Uh, most of that type of surveillance you can do from uh, from satellites. I think what's more likely is um, a, a theory that Tyler Rogaway, who's a uh, aviation and intel analyst um, uh, that writes for the War Zone, pointed out, which is that these aircraft are testing U.S. air defenses and are collecting information on U.S. radar signals, uh, U.S. targeting uh, pods from from F-22s and F-16s and our missile capabilities. And understanding all of that, getting up close in a sort of pseudo wartime scenario is something you really can't replicate anywhere. And so I think that is a very interesting theory. So whether it's but but at the end of the day, last to your point, whether it's about nuclear targeting on one hand or really understanding in depth our capabilities. Right. What do you do about it? I think at the end of the day, the answer is the same, which is you take them down. Now, as a, 
you know, the exception to that rule is that as a general matter, we all conduct surveillance of one another. We have satellites, they have satellites. And in the past, we've flown planes over over adversary territory, the U-2, the SR-71 Blackbird, including over China. By the way, including drones over China, we flew the D-12 drone off the SR-71 over China back in the 60s. So, you know, it, it's not uncommon to violate, you know, uh, adversary airspace. It hasn't. We haven't done it recently, unless you believe uh, this this Chinese recent story that we've been floating 10 spy balloons uh, over their territory in the last year. So, you know, I think ultimately you take you take a shot unless you decide that everyone's going to allow everyone else's planes to fly overhead. And then it's just going to be part of the great game of spying. And off we go. I think Jones, what's Jess, in- what do you think? Yeah, what I think is interesting is, you know, this is a catch up from the conversation we had last week when the first spy balloon was shot down. But yet we don't really know anything more a week later, right? We we don't have any answers less to your point of what what are the last three forecrafts, where are they coming from? You know, they seem to be unmanned, they seem to have propulsion systems that are different than the first, you know, craft that was shot down, but we don't know anything. And so waiting to see information before, you know, hotheads making, you know, making claims or you know, tackling information you see, like to, to Jamil's point, like you've got China now claiming, you know, rack, racking up tension by claiming that there's U.S. you know, ten ten um, balloons in the last in the last year. Uh, but I, what I also thought was interesting, there's a ti- there's a piece in the Times this morning tracking um, a Chinese professor who had claimed in 2019 the first full circumnavigation balloon ride across the you know across the globe and tracked where it was over the U.S. And that he made that to you know state media, Chinese state run media. So it's also surprising that the U.S. is so behind on following this story, right? To, to Jamil's point of China testing um, our air defense system, like this seems to be public since 2019. Why are we now catching up? Well, I mean, that that does kind of beg the question of the information the administration has been providing to the American people. We're shooting these things down. Presumably, we know they're unmanned. We must know something about them more than is being said. So I think it's it's reasonable to assume that the administration, our intelligence community, our defense community know a lot more about what's going on than they've been willing to say thus far, perhaps for classified reasons, or perhaps because we thought it was more advantageous to monitor these things than to shoot them down previously. And that and the political situation may have changed. And now the administration feels it needs to shoot them down. And I'm not saying that's wrong or right, but it's it's an, clearly we, we lack a lot of information here. Jamil, you're shaking your head. I'm going to let you you jump in here. You know, Les, I'd like to believe that the, that the intelligence community knows more than they're than they're sharing here. And like you, because we're taking shots at these balloons, you know, they clearly must know something or have some sense of what's going on. But the counter to that is, you know, we know now that at least with respect to the large Chinese spy balloon, the Trump administration didn't see it three times. The Biden administration didn't see it the fourth time uh, that it came over our airspace. It was only this fifth time. The Chinese spy balloon, the large one, came our space. Do we even notice it and then ultimately decide to take action? So, you know, forgive me if I'm a little skeptical of NORAD and its capabilities, right? Yes, now that we've sort of removed our filters, we're seeing a lot more of these things and, and scrambling fighters and the like. But it's worth noting that, you know, we didn't see these things before. And NORAD lost one of them just on Saturday night over Montana, ultimately only to pick it up over Michigan on Sunday and take a shot at it. So, and then, and then of all things, the NORAD commander when asked if he thought they might be UFOs or aliens, he said, well, I'm not ruling anything out. I mean, you know, forgive me if I don't have a lot of faith in NORAD's capabilities right at this minute. I think they're very capable generally. I'm skeptical right now. All right. Let's I'm going to table. Do you, dr- you think I'm wrong? 
Yeah. I'm going to table drop on you guys where I think the U.S.-China relationship is going to end up going because of this. And I'm going to, I'm going to say two words that we haven't said a lot uh, in, the, in the blob in the Washington foreign policy community in a long time. Arms control. I think the place we're going to go, uh, because this situation of shooting down balloons or whatever they are is not sustainable, is towards an arms control conversation with the China, between the U.S. and the Chinese that, that will uh, perhaps result in an agreement on surveillance activities, on levels of nuclear weapons, on a way for the two countries to conduct themselves with relationship to each other so that they're not shooting down things over each other's airspace all the time. So... You know, we, we tend to get distracted by the things uh, that we think are important in the moment. The 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 current uh, arms control effort of the joint uh, the, the JCPOA with Iran is dead. Uh, this idea that the U.S. and China can somehow have a more normal bilateral relationship without addressing this may be a fantasy. So I think the place where we're going to go is arms control. I want to I want to get you guys quick reaction to that, please. Uh, for you know, I, I'm listening to it less, and it seems hard to your point to move. Before. Uh, in front of the short term, which is like, how do you even begin to sit at a table and have those conversations, considering the amount of tension right now, considering the lack, you know, we've heard claims what the U.S. is doing and China's still denying that. Like, I don't see how we get to the table at all right now. It's kind of like North Korea. Who's coming to the table first? Yeah, and I'd like to believe that there's arms control in the offing, right? And and maybe there is, maybe on this one issue about spy balloons and intelligence craft, the idea that this is going to take us somewhere on nuclear, I find hard to believe. I, I, I'd love to see it, but less sounds like a pie in the sky to me. That's a wrap. Thanks to Brooke Agakan and Rachel Domino from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Join us again on Wednesday for the next episode of Fault Lines, the podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security issues shaking up America. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe and follow at MasonNatSec on Twitter so more people can get in the Fault Lines crew and get into the NSI mix. 